You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. Amen. Our Jesus is unfailing. Wow, what a, what, a, what a praise. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. You are an unfailing God. You keep your promises. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, as you look behind me today, we're going to be talking about that symbol the cross, and some of you are wearing it around your neck, uh, or maybe there's a tattoo, I don't know. My question is, like, why couldn't it be an electric chair? Or, uh, like, a gallows? That would be good. Or maybe a, a guillotine. What we wear is a cross, but why is it different? That's what we're going to dive into today. But just that thought, do you realize what we wear is a, is a macabre? It's, it's, it's something that talks about death. It's really kind of dreary. But the reason we wear it is completely the opposite. is because the cross does something for us that brings life, right? That's, that's what it's about. But that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Um, as we get into it, I, I just uh, wanted to ask you, is there a, a project or a big event that you've been, you waited for for a long time and then it finally happened? I'm looking at Stephen over here. He's married next to his wife, you know. Good job. Congratulations. Um, but, you know, I just think about planning. Like, uh, like Labor Day weekend, we had a family retreat to plan. And there were probably about 100 people, 120 at one night, just for a few, for a little bit. But uh, we're, we're about that number. And we knew this was coming for about a year. And just the planning that takes place. Got to put teams together. Um, you got to, you know, make sure there are cooks because food is important. Um, you got to go sh- come up with a menu. Um, you got to come up with... All of the groceries, every little thing, salt, sugar, those little, sometimes they just get coffee. It's really important. Uh, you know, uh, but you got to have a list, and then you got to go shopping for that list. And when you go shopping, you realize, oh, I probably need, need this too. And, and then, you know, that's just, that's just the cooking side of it. Then there's all of the activities, um, the speaking, the music, the speakers, the microphone, uh, the, the soccer ball, or all these things and the details are important. And then it happens and it happened Labor Day weekend and it was an epic weekend. It was really, really good. It was great, but so much planning. Well, today's event we're going to talk about is the, probably the, the most epic event in all of history. And there has been a lot of planning, <laughs> a lot of planning Uh, So much so, but Jesus, when he talks about this, he finally says, it is finished. That's what he, it's finished. Like, (laughs) the job's done. Um, And so that's where we're going to go today. Are you ready? Okay. As we go into this, I'd like to invite you right where you are. Just take a moment and pray. Just 
talk to God. If there's any obstacle in your heart that might uh, get in the way of having him speak to you, would you just bring that to him and, and say, Lord, I, this is here. I don't want it to interfere between you and me. Would you do that? Just take a moment. Go ahead. Let's read John chapter 19, verse 28 to 42. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now, it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath. They asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of flood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe. These things have happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken, and as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders, with Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds, Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with, with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. Okay. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was a Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. All right, first thing that I'd like us to consider in this passage is that God sees our need and keeps his promise. As I mentioned earlier, what happens here on the cross is something that humanity has been waiting for ever since Adam and Eve. Uh, when, Adam and, when, when Adam and Eve took that fruit and they ate it, the moment they ate it, God said, that day you will surely die. Their bodies kept walking around, their minds kept working, but they got unplugged from the very source of life. They were unplugged from the creator. They're unplugged from a relationship with God himself. He's no longer their life-giving sustenance. He's, they're unplugged from him. And so from then on, God made a promise to Eve from one of your descendants, there would be one who would come and he would be bitten by a serpent and he would strike the serpent's head. Genesis 3.15 talks about this. And then throughout time, God comes along and meets this guy, Abraham, and he says, he says to Abraham, from your descendants, there will be someone who will come and bless the nations. Like the, the, 
it's going to come through your line. And he comes to his, his lineage, he comes to Judah, he comes to David, and he keeps making this promise that through this line, there would be one who, who would come and be the Messiah, the Savior, the one who would, who would restore us to relationship with the Father, with God. And, and it goes on, there are, there are places in the scripture, last week we saw a couple of passages, but here's, here's this, 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 this thought in John. It says, everything had now been finished. And the question is, what is everything? What is, what is everything that Jesus is talking about? And we can go back all the way from Adam and Eve, and we know that this promise is coming. And, and, and Jesus is talking about fulfilling the messianic, messianic prophecies, that he is the fulfillment of this person who is supposed to come. This is Jesus. In Psalm 22, which was a passage that we referred to last, in last week's uh, passage, um, one of the, I, I absolutely love this prophecy because it's so specific. Psalm 22, 18, they divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. Okay, they're gonna take my clothes Part of it, they're going, to, they're going to share with each other. But they're going to take one and they're going to keep it. And only one person's going to get that. Like they'll spread everything else, maybe tear it, tear the... But this one piece, they're going to keep and they're going to cast lots for it. And that's exactly what happened in last week's passage. They took and they, they divided some of it, but then they got to this inner garment, which was woven one piece of fine linen. And they're like, we can't tear this. Who's going to get it? So they rock, paper, scissors it out. Okay, maybe not that, but, but they basically, one person took it. And Psalm 22, 18, written way back, says this is going to be very specific. What are the odds? <laughs> but that's what happens. In Isaiah chapter 53, there, there is more that talks about this is written at least 600 or more years before Jesus. And the whole chapter is about the cross. But here's a little piece of it, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities." This is what the promise was. When he comes, this is, what he's going to, this is what he's going to do. This is Jesus. In when we go back to the book of John, as we've gone through this series, just think about the first words in the book of John. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. This is he's pointing out who Jesus is. This is who he is, and this is what John is telling us. John 1 calls him the word. In John, we find him called the light of mankind. He is called, the light was, and he's, he, he is the life of mankind, okay? Um, John the Baptist, when he was asked, are you the promised one? He said, nope, not me, I'm not it. But there's one who comes after me. I'm not worthy to untie his sandals, 
And then when he had a question, he, he sees Jesus and he points him out and he says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then he does it again. Behold, he repeats it. And then when he's imprisoned, he has the, these doubting moments. Maybe I was wrong about this Jesus. Even though he, he saw Jesus, the Holy Spirit descend on him. Maybe I was wrong. So he sends one of his disciples to Jesus and he asks Jesus this question. Are you, are you the one? And Jesus answers in Matthew 11. He says, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. <laughs> John is just, this is, the story is being built up. This Jesus. He's the promised one. And, and Jesus fulfills the details. He's on the cross, dying, and yeah, he happens to be thirsty. But, but it's, it says, so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. Even on the cross, he's thinking, I'm still doing God's will. I still have things to fulfill. And we could say, well, he just kind of read them in the Old Testament. He kind of knew what the checklist was, and he came through, and he checklisted those. But I don't think he could have checklisted the whole garment thing. That, 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 was, <laughs> that doesn't work, right? But the details, I am thirsty. A and he fulfills this. So John is basically saying, Jesus fulfills the, pro the messianic prophecies. This is who he is. And then um, we go down here towards the end of this. Another piece of fulfillment is found. They did not break his legs, right? Um, and what was the other one? They pierced his side with a spear. Two things that were also promised in Psalm 22. In the same chapter that we read earlier, it says this is what would happen. And Jesus fulfills all these promises. I thirst, no broken bones. They will look at the one they have pierced. So these things. So what is everything? Well, first, it's the fulfillment of all of these uh, of of Jesus being the Messiah. He is the one who was promised from the Old Testament. But there's also the side of, of Jesus doing his father's will. There are the, the, the scriptures of the, of the legs broken and, and the pierced. Okay, but what else is everything, right? It is the fulfillment of the prophecies. But there's another piece to this. And we go back to John chapter 6, 38. As Jesus is, is in his ministry, he tells us why he comes. He says, for I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who has sent me. I've got a specific purpose. And we mentioned earlier what he told John, like these are the things I came to do, right? Um, in John 17, 26, one of the things that Jesus came to do was this. I have made you known to them, and I will continue to make you known. And that first word, you, can also be translated, I've made your name known. I've made your, your name known. And when I think about this, and I go back to the book of John, there are all these I am statements. And you go back to Psalm 22, one of the things Jesus was supposed to fulfill, the Messiah is supposed to fulfill, I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. Jesus is going to proclaim a name. So when you go and you meet someone, right, you say, what's, hey, how are you? What's your name? And they say, uh, you know, I don't know. I was going to say Bob, but 
I, I use that too often, and he's here, and he's looking at me. But, uh, but you know, someone says, John. And he want, yeah, okay. So you say John or, or Ronald, and, you know, I don't know what. Pick a name, Paco, right? And, and maybe the name doesn't really mean anything. But when you think about the names of Jesus, <laughs> when he says his name, it's a descriptor of who he is, who he is to me. And Jesus is the bread of life. And you go back to the Old Testament. You go back to Exodus, and, and you see the way God describes himself. I am. And then the miracles that he does, he provides bread from heaven. Like, I am. I, I, I'm going to give bread to you. Like, he turns uh, water into blood. Jesus does. Anyway. But Jesus, I am the light of the world. Jesus says, I am the door I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. And I realize I'm going through these way too fast. Because this is who Jesus is. He comes to proclaim the name of the Father. And in John chapter 6, when he talks about that name, he says, you know, I've come to proclaim your name. And then he says, and this is the name. In John 17, he says, this is the name you've given me. Jesus is all these I am's. He's the same I am as the Father is. And this is who he is, and this is who he is to us. He's come to proclaim. He came to us to tell us who he is to us. This is Jesus. So, has God provided everything to meet my need? With that line in verse 30, when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. It's over. I'm I'm done. I did it. The whole checklist, all of it, it's done. So he, so there's this idea of, of, of it is finished, right? So what, is, what does that mean? There's a fulfillment of the things he did. There's a piece of who he is to us, right? But then um, Jesus did everything to bring us into the family. This is, this is the point. Why he does it is because he wants us to be part of his family, He chooses to leave heaven, to come live among us, to fulfill everything that was asked of him so that you could be his brother, sister, child. You could be family. This is what he invites us into. Um, I think of the adoption process. When you go and you adopt someone, you got to do all this paperwork. Um, You got to go to a judge. You got to get, there's a lot of work to do. And the child does nothing. In some cases, the child just gets gets to decide, yeah, I'll go. I want to go. But that's the one thing that happens in this case. That is the one thing we need to decide. Will I choose to be part of this family? The work, it's all done. Will I choose to be part of this family? What are some of the things that he does? First, uh, First Peter 1.18 says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ a lamb without blemish or defect. The price, the sacrifice to make me his is paid. This is ransom language. When a slave was purchased, 
to have a new owner. Jesus paid the price. So, so he paid the price to make us part of his family. Uh, this next verse talks about forgiveness. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. That thing that happened way back in the Garden of Eden where we began to say, God, I don't want you. And we sin, we reject life, we reject him. I don't want you. Except that sin, it separates me from him. And so our relationship is severed and Jesus comes and he makes a payment so that my sins can be forgiven. Forgiven in full. I won't even count them against you anymore. I've paid for it. This is what Jesus does. First uh, John 2, 1 and 2 says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. He's the complete sacrifice for our sins, right? He, he makes atonement. He covers us. But not only that, he is a lawyer that stands before the judge, the Father, continually. And he says, I, I paid for that. <laughs> when you sin, when your, your thoughts go where, they, where you wish they hadn't, or when you say something you wish you didn't, or when you see things, or when, <sighs> Jesus said, I paid for that. I paid for that. Every single time. I paid, and what's interesting is that he's paid this price for everybody, but not everybody will take it. Some will choose to stand before the judge without him as an advocate, without him as a lawyer. And Jesus paid the price, so this is what he did. One little thought, one more thought. If you go to Colossians, there's one of the things that it says. It says he took the, the legal charges held against us and he nailed them to the cross. Jesus did all of this on the cross. Perhaps one of the greatest things that I, I don't even have in my notes, but I keep thinking I need to say is, is that God loves us so much. He loves you so much that the cross is where he displays how much he loves us. This is how much he loves us. He chooses to come and fulfill all of the things that we need. So what does this have to do with me? Do I believe the work is finished for me? Because it's one thing to say, yeah, I believe he died on the cross. I believe he paid for sins. I believe he is all of those I am statements. You know, I believe he is the way. I believe he's the door to the Father. I believe all that. But do I believe that for me? Is it something that I, that I own? Is it something that I say, like, God is offering me a gift, and I'm saying, Lord, yes, I receive this gift. In any relationship, you, you know, s someone can choose to love someone else, <coughs> and the other person can choose to not receive it. Right? So, God is offering all of these things to me, and do I believe and receive this, this, this for myself? In 1 John 1, 12, 
yet to all who, who did receive him. Think about those names. Think about the list of names. I am the bread of life. Does Jesus satisfy you? Does his payment on the cross satisfy your need? Does him being the door satisfy a direction of right living before God that you need? Does, does he satisfy that? When he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, do, your, do, do you realize your need for Jesus and do you, do you choose to walk with him, to, to spend time with him so you can listen to his voice and commit your ways to God throughout the day. So it's not just about every now and then, but as I go throughout my day, whether it's at work or school <coughs> or play or whatever, am I committing my ways to him? Am I walking with him? Is he my way? Is he my good shepherd? Do I allow him to, to take me places, to allow me to find places of delight and then protects me? Do, do, do I allow him to do all these things? <coughs> Do I believe he has set me free from the dominion of sin and that he gives me everything I need to pursue right living? It's one thing that Jesus calls us into relationship with him. And maybe you don't have one. And today is the day you can choose. It's another thing if you already have a relationship with Jesus. <clears throat> and if you have a relationship with Jesus, sometimes I think we struggle with this, with this thought. You remember um, last week or a couple weeks ago, you had this guy named Barabbas, right? And, and, and Jesus, or Pilate asks, who should I free, Barabbas or Jesus? And the people choose <coughs> Barabbas. So Jesus takes his place. Imagine being Barabbas. You actually have the cross ahead of you. You have the cap capital punishment is yours and Jesus takes your place. I'm gonna drink this. And he walks away free. He's a murderer, a criminal. He walks away, he's free, and what if he goes and he chooses to, to live the same life, a criminal? Well, what do you think? And yet sometimes that is what happens with those of us who call ourselves Jesus followers. Jesus paid the price, he set us free, he forgives us from our sins, and then we walk away and we forget that I am free to something. I am free to live in that freedom, to pursue being like Jesus, to pursue doing what Jesus does, to, to love people, to love God and love people and to live well. And, and sometimes we go back and, and live in, in, in that cell of sin and darkness and, and the Bible says we are free from the dominion of sin. We're free. It's not, it's not my master anymore. Do I sin? Yes, I sin. Yeah, we sin. But those, sin no longer identifies me. It no longer says you're my child. No, I belong to a different master. And I can walk with him. And, and so do I truly believe that? And when I say believe, it isn't just a mental ascent. Yes, I believe it. Remember, do I believe it for me? Do I receive it? Do I, have, do I do this in relationship with Jesus? And then in this last section, there's an example of, of, of 
this kind of thing, you see two, the courage of, of the two secret disciples. We go here, we see two guys, named, one's named Joseph, and the other one's named Nicodemus. Joseph was a disciple, but it's secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. And the other one was Nicodemus. We already read about him in John chapter 3, right? He came to Jesus at night. Maybe it's because he's also a secret disciple. He's tried to be bold a few times, but this time, I think, takes the cake. <laughs> he comes and asks for the body of Jesus. And he brings 75 pounds of, <laughs> I don't think he was hiding. It's, you know, he, he comes, and, and, but he makes this statement. And so, I don't know how bold, maybe he, the point is you've got these two guys who are hidden disciples, and here they are doing this amazing, courageous thing. And so the question, the question for us, where is God calling me to be courageous? When you look at your life and you look at your week, you lay out Monday through Friday, I know there's a new transition, it's fall, things change in the fall, and I don't know what your summer's been like. I don't know how you've done this in the past, but I'm not asking you to go and, and be uh, annoying Right, I'm not, not saying go and be annoying to people, but maybe God is calling you to be courageous in a specific area of your life. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's with your neighbor. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's someone that you need to call and you haven't. And there's a relational rift that God's calling you to step into. Will you choose to make this courageous decision of, of, of doing what God's calling you to do? And last thing I'd like us to consider, I like, just want to go back. Look at the one who was pierced for pers perspective. Okay? Um, go back to this passage. John says this. Instead of one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. Question for you. Who is the man who saw it? John. John's the man who saw it. Who's fulfilling prophecy? Because scripture said they will look on the one they have pierced. There's they, but John is included in this look at the one they have pierced. And I just, all the rest of the disciples are gone. You've got, you got Mary and some women and John. And John sees this happen and he says, look. And he says, this was written in scripture and I'm fulfilling it right now. Because I'm part of that day. And I just want us to consider that we can, be, we can be those who look at the one he has pierced. Because when we consider the cross, when we take a look at, at that symbol, and we think about what happened on that cross, Jesus paid my debt fully. It's complete. So the question is, how will I respond? And, and John says, I give testimony to this. 
And I do it because I want people to believe he's the Messiah. He's my Savior. So I want to invite you as we continue singing, how will you respond?
for us. Cross, you pay the debt I owe. 
Hallelujah. Revelation 1.7 says this. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. If you're here this morning, and you realize your need, I want to invite you to take a moment and talk to Jesus. He invites you into relationship. If you're already a Jesus follower, we got a story to share. And you know, there are lots of people wearing a cross. Maybe you wear one. You know, an opportunity to say, hey, ask someone, why do we wear that? Why isn't it an electric chair? You know, <laughs> just ask the question. And then be an opportunity to say, I do this because he paid my debt. Has he paid yours? Father, thank you so much for the cross. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for finishing the work. Thank you for giving us life and empowering us to live in your presence. Lord, we ask that you would fill us with your spirit. Lead us this week. Be our good shepherd. Shepherd, lead us on our way. Help us connect with people who need to hear about the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.